I read a little article the other day by a preacher by the name of Dave Reddick. And in this article, he relates the following story of three expectant fathers, not mothers, three expectant fathers who were awaiting news of their wives who were still in labor for several hours in the general hospital. Now, let me read it just as he um, describes the situation. He says, as the hours passed, more and more coffee was consumed, and nerves were on edge. Small talk had long still stalled. The three men paced back and forth. Each minute seemed like an hour. The strain could be seen on each man's face as he waited and waited and waited. Finally, afterwards seemed like an eternity, a nurse came out and told one father the good news. His wife had just given birth to twin sons. The nerves that had been so taut were now relaxed, and he quipped humorously that this was great, because, you see, he told the others, he worked in the front office of the Minnesota Twins, and he could go back now and tell the staff that he also had twins. After the excitement died down, the other two men went back to pacing anxiously again, awaiting the next word from the nurse. Afterwards, seemed like hours, which had been in reality only 20 minutes or so, the nurse came back and told the second father the tremendous news. His wife had delivered triplets. He had two daughters and a son, and all were healthier, and the mother was doing just great. Shocked at his fortune, his only comment was, boy, will they laugh at me in the office tomorrow? You see, I work for 3M. All alone now, the nerves stretched to the max. The remaining father waited. He thought one had twins, and he worked at the twins' office. The other had triplets, and he worked at 3M. Two and three kids. Hold on a minute now. And by that time, the nurse came out with a big smile that looked bigger than the smile he had seen before. And as she began to tell the good news, suddenly he snapped and he ran out of the hospital, pulling his hair as he ran. His, head, his hands trembled and he was sweating like a horse. He gave a bewildered look as he ran down the street and into his car. The shocked nurse looked over to a passing volunteer and asked, what in the world caused that? What did I do? The volunteer commanded that, this, that while he was pacing back and forth, he kept repeating over and over again, Oh, no. What am I going to do? I work for 7-Eleven. <laughs> I work for 7-Eleven. Fatherhood is a tremendous uh, position to have. Enjoyment is a tremendous privilege and a fantastic joy. It's also how problems and difficulties. Today, as we celebrate Father's Day, very briefly, we want to look at a story in the Bible that we know quite well. Only thing, it has been misnamed throughout the years. It's a story in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, and normally it's referred to as the 
prodigal son. However, I believe that the title should really be the heart of the heart of the father of the prodigal son. Because really, when you see the whole context, the focus is not on the sons of this story. The focus is on the heart of the father of the sons. I think you'll see that as we work our way through the passage this morning throughout the service. But now, as we read the story, and as you recall it to your own minds, I want, to rem- want you to remember that Jesus was telling this as a parable, as a story, and each of the figures here, the characters, represented someone. The prodigal son represented the sinners that Jesus Christ was associating himself with in his ministry. The oldest son represented the Pharisees who didn't like his association with sinners. The father in the story represented who? God the father. The true father. The real father. So keep that in mind as you go through this story. The son represents the sinner that Jesus was seeking to win. The prodigal son represents the Pharisees who boasted to belong to the father but lived a different lifestyle. And of course, the father represents Jesus Christ himself. Now, I want us to look at just a few of the traits of this father. And I've really called the passage that I'm speaking on today, or the message, traits of an effective, successful father. The traits of an effective, successful father. Let's begin reading from verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. It says, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Now, for this day, in this particular period of the Jewish people, this was a bold, if not arrogant, and even disrespectful request to be made by a son to ask for his inheritance before his father died. It was though he was saying, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. Or perhaps he's saying, I wish you'd hurry up and die. But I can't wait for it. That's the trust of this passage. You must see that in reading this. This isn't just a simple statement here or request. But I want you to notice now, the son nonetheless felt comfortable in requesting this of his father. This tells me that the father had created an atmosphere in his family which made him approachable. In other words, this tells me that the father had created an atmosphere within his family, with his children, that they could come to him with any matter whatsoever. No matter whether he agreed with it or disagreed with it, the children felt comfortable in approaching his dad on any matter. In other words, he was there for his children. And he was willing to listen to them no matter what. This tells me then that this father was accessible and approachable. This father was accessible and approachable at all times. I believe that these are vital traits if you are going to be an effective, successful father. 
You must be accessible to your children at all times. You must be approachable at all times. Our children should never have to feel hesitant or afraid to come to us with any problems or any difficulties that they might have. We should be accessible. We should be approachable. Now think about it as fathers for a moment. How many times have you told your children or your child that you don't have time for them? The child perhaps has come, I want you to help me the homework. Dad. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm, I'm working on this project. Or I'm busy. I've got to be, I've got to finish this project before tomorrow morning. Or I can't do it because I have to see this client. Or whatever the situation. Or perhaps you're watching basketball or football and you cannot be bothered. And so your child walks away. How many times have you turned your children away? Every time I speak along these lines, I remember one occasion where this happened to me when I was in Dallas, Texas. I was working on a project that had to be finished, a paper. And Cindy and Sandy came into my little room as a little closet, really, that I had as an office. And they wanted me to help them with their homework. I can see it now. Cindy and Sandy, go away. I, I, I don't have time. My daddy is studying. I've got to finish this. And I could see them turning away and walking away sadly. I wasn't accessible. I wasn't approachable. This father was. Even though what his son requested was so outrageous. But there's something else in this passage that tells me that the father was accessible and approachable and that he had developed an atmosphere within the home that made it's possible for his children to see them at any, him at any time. Look down at verses 17 and 18 of this passage. He says, when he came to his senses. Notice that. Now this means that what he had done before wasn't sensible, wasn't logical, didn't make sense. It was crazy, that request he made. He went and he squandered all his money, his inheritance. When he came to his senses, that means he realizes that that lifestyle away from his home, away from his father, was senseless. Didn't make sense. Now, unfortunately, many children don't realize that until it's too late. As in this situation, but this fellow responded pretty well. But that's not the point. He came to his senses. He says, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. Now notice what he says. I will get up and go to my father. Isn't that amazing? The first thing he realized when he came to his senses was that he shouldn't have been away from his father in the first place. The first thing he thought about when he got to the bottom was, I got to go home to daddy. Now why did he think that? Do you think the son who had treated his dad with so uh, 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 such disrespect, that this son would think of going back to his dad when he got in trouble because of that decision. But yet this son, the first thing he thought about was going back home to his daddy. Why? Because daddy was always accessible 
always approachable, and his son knew that no matter how far he had gotten away from his dad, his dad would be there for him. Isn't that great? Now, fathers, think for a moment about your own lifestyle and the way you deal with your children. Do they have that assurance? Do they have that feeling that no matter what they do, even though they have to pay the consequences, mind, don't overlook this fact. They paid, the, this young fellow paid the consequences. Don't forget that. He paid the consequences because of his decision. He made a decision. He paid the consequences. But his dad was there for the, to, receive, to receive him again. I remember a story of a young lady who received Jesus Christ as a savior in Long Island. When she placed her faith in Jesus Christ, the people, mom and dad, put her out of the house. Get out of this house. I don't want to see anymore because that's not our religion, to be saved. Isn't that something? But you know something? Because that girl lived such a godly life, it was not too long that those parents asked her to come back home. And you know what? They came to know Jesus Christ as well. Fathers, are you approachable? Are you accessible to your children? I believe that these are traits, characteristics that are essential for an effective, successful father. Think about that. Let's look at another trait of an effective father from the story of what we have come to call the prodigal son. But what I like to call the heart of the heart of the father of the prodigal son. See, not only was this father in Luke 15 accessible and approachable, but he was also compassionate and forgiving and faithful. He was compassionate, he was forgiving, he was faithful. This son made one of the greatest mistakes in his life when he said, Father, give me my inheritance. But then he made the greatest choice of his life when he realized after he had squandered everything, after he destroyed his father's name and reputation, he made a decision that he would get up and go back to his father and confess that he had sinned both before God and before his father. So let's look at verse 20. It says, so he got up and he came to his father. His father, who was always approachable, who was always accessible. But while he was still a long way off, notice that, a long way off, his father saw him. And that tells me he was looking for him. He hadn't given up on his son. He saw him while he was still a long way off. His father knew that his son would come to his senses someday. And he wanted to be ready for when he came back. That's where his faithfulness is demonstrated. He didn't give up. He knew that he had taught his son well. And we're going to see that in a moment. His father saw him and felt compassion for him. He didn't say, oh, well, you deserve that. Don't come to my house. I ain't got nothing for you. Compassion. This is a word that is always used with reference to Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why he became a man. 
so he could feel a human compassion. He is our compassionate high priest. Why? Because he can feel our pain. He can experience our sadness. This father was compassionate. And he says he ran. He didn't wait for his son to reach him. He ran towards his son and embraced him and kissed him. Even before his son said, Father, I have sinned. Because he knew that that's why his son was coming back. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Notice now, and in your sight now, against heaven is a figure of speech for God. I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I have sinned against my heavenly father and I have sinned against my earthly father. He recognized that he has sinned against his father. Why? I believe it's because his father was faithful in teaching him the word of God. This young man knew what we would call today Christian standards. He knew the word of God. That's why he was convicted. And this was why I believe his father was faithful. Not only compassionate and forgiving, but faithful. He taught his children the word of God. You say, man, how could you say that? Look what this guy did. He slapped his father in his face. He disgraced his name. That doesn't show an effective, successful father. So we have to remember this. As fathers, as parents, we could teach the word, we could model the word, but we cannot choose for our children. They have to make their choice. And they have to pay the consequences of that choice, all those choices. But if we have truly planted the word and lived the life, we can live always that hope that even though our children have gone astray, one of these days, they'll come to their senses. But if you haven't been faithful in the word, you have no hope. You have no reason to hope for that at all. But this father knew that this day would come. And so he ran and he embraced his son. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice that. Father, I know who you are. I know your standards. I know how you model the heavenly father before me. I know that. I have disgraced you. I know I could never, I could never reclaim that position. I just don't have the right to do it. You see, he knew. He knew the word of God. Because not only was this taught by his father, it was lived out by his father. And he knew that. Fathers, how about you? How seriously do you take the training of your children in righteousness? Bringing up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. To reverence God, to respect him. How do you model that before your children? This son, though he made the greatest mistake in his life when he chose to disregard the teachings of his father, because of those same teachings, he made the greatest decision to return 
and to ask forgiveness. His Father was there to forgive. What a blessed thing to know that such opportunities exist. Even though we might have been estranged from our father, perhaps our mother, there's still an opportunity, there's still a chance for you to get it right. This is still a chance for you to confess how you've sinned and to receive forgiveness. There's still a chance. You see, to me, this reveals the heart of the heart of the prodigal's father. He was a forgiving father. Are you? How can a father feel compassion for a returning child who has squandered what he has worked for all of his life? How can the father feel compassion for a child who has dragged his reputation in the dirt and spat upon everything he stands for as a believer? The text is clear here, the reason for that. It's because he believed and taught his children that relationship with God is more important than wealth or material things. You say, how do you get that from the passage? Well, notice what he told the son who stayed at home who was complaining about the situation. He said, this, your son, your brother, was lost. But now, he's found. In other words, he's saying, listen, up to this point, your brother who turned his back on me and everything I taught him, he was dead while he lived that disobedient life. But now he's come back, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And that is worth more to me than any wealth or possession that I have to know that my son is back in fellowship with his father. Fathers, we need to learn this lesson. A relationship with God Our children's relationship with God is more important than any wealth or material things we can possess. That's why it's illogical for us to think that we're going to make our children happy by spending more time making money than spending time playing ball, helping them with the homework, going to these long three-hour graduation services. That's important to the child. One of the biggest criticisms I have from my girls right now is that I didn't go enough to hear them play when they played at the orchestra because I was too busy at school. So this is not theory I'm talking about. I had to do a lot of catching up. They've never forgotten it. This son was alive when he gained, when he humbled himself he confessed his sins and returned to his father's house. Of course, the spiritual application that he repented, he turned to God and he was forgiven. Dads, let me ask you something. Are we compassionate toward our children? Understanding, accessible, approachable? When our children mess up, and listen, they're going to mess up. Why? Because they are children. 
No, we mess up too. You see? They're going to mess up. But this young fellow came back and he repented. He acknowledged his wrong. Are we willing to be compassionate and forgive and to accept them back joyfully? Or do we disown them and distance ourselves from them? You see, when we do that to a repentant child, then it is we who are living with the pigs. Look at the example of this father then, and you have your answer as to whether or not we should put wealth and material things, good life, beyond spending time with our children. Beyond that, consider this. You may not always have the opportunity to be compassionate or forgiving towards your child. We've seen then from this passage that depicts the heart of the heart of the father of the prodigal son. That an effective father is approachable, he is accessible. He is caring, he is compassionate, he is faithful. But above all else, he is forgiving. Fathers, go and be likewise.